Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... had repented, turned to God, believed, put their trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus and the apostles did not teach that you get into heaven by being a good person. Never did. Never taught that you go to heaven by your good works. We go to heaven by grace. We grab it by faith. Good works are simply evidence of a conversion of the soul that God has done his work for those who are destined to inherit a blessing. Today, Pastor Jim reminds us of the hopelessness of simply trying to be good to get into heaven. No matter what we do, we will never meet the perfect standard of heaven. Receiving Jesus' free gift of forgiveness for every sin we will ever commit is God's plan for us to get into heaven. However, the good works don't stop simply because we're forgiven. Jesus wants us to live the Christian life. This includes serving people, loving people, and sharing our newfound hope as we go about our day. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3 with part 3 of his message entitled, Pursuing Blessings. Every time you leave something for somebody else to pick up, somebody else has to do that. Every time you send an email to someone that gives them stuff to do, you're giving other people work to do. We shouldn't be doing that. We should be saying, how can I serve? How can I do something? I love it when the people who work for me show up to me and they say, here, it's all done. All we need you to do is to read it and sign it. I love that. I love that. But I read it carefully in case they're roping me into something I don't want to do, right? <laughs> Pride kills humility. Philippians 2 says that Jesus humbled himself. God himself became a man and died on the cross. And then he calls anyone who would follow after him. He says, if you want to come after me, deny yourself, pick up your cross daily and follow me. Well, what does he mean? He means be of one mind. Have compassion, love his brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous. That's what he means. But selfishness and fear kills the compassionate, foot-washing love that Jesus desires to see in his people. Well, we've learned it inside the church. Number two, let's pursue blessings in the world we live in. Verse 9 appears that Peter then reminds them of life outside the church. He says, not returning evil for evil or revile for reviling. Some versions say insult for insult. Christians were very much insulted. But on the contrary, blessing. What does he say? If you're insulted, bless instead of repaying. Bless instead of repaying. Knowing that, you were called to this. Now that's interesting. You were called to bless instead of repay. And then he says that you may inherit a blessing. You're like, no, I'd rather be called to that. <laughs> well, is it in the next life or this life? Probably. <laughs> 
So at this time in the Roman Empire, Christians were the lowest of the low, and the Christian life, attempting to live it, was considered weakness, not strength. Now again, let's talk about what we're talking about. Does this mean we are to let people stomp all over us? No, we are not to help and enable people to sin. And the New Testament teaches that God has given us the government if it's a crime what they've done. Now, with some people, do there need to be boundaries? Yes, yes. Are there some people we may need to remove ourselves from because they are too dangerous for us? Yes. Some people are very dangerous. Some people are manipulators, okay? And you say, well, how can I bless them? We bless them through prayer. We say, God, would you send somebody else who's not in danger of them, who can stand up to them, who sees them for what they are, and would you please crush them with the gospel? Because that's what it takes. It takes to be crushed by the gospel. And maybe if it's in a workplace, you say, well, I can't do that. I, I'm with them. What, what is Peter saying here? Uh, be kind in your responses. Not sarcastic. Not sarcastic, but kind. We all have to realize the desire for vengeance and retaliation is part of the human condition. The Bible says an eye for an eye. People go, what do you believe that eye for an eye stuff? That simply means that the punishment should fit the crime. But man, somebody takes our eye out, what do we want to do? Give me your eye, your ear, your nose, a couple legs, right? Your stomach, your heart. I want it all, right? Because we want to repay. But we have to be careful. We're not talking about when we're just insulted because somebody told us something we didn't want to hear, right? So you're always late to work. Your work's incomplete. Everything you hand to your boss, he has to rework and redo for you. Then your boss, he or she calls you in and says, you know, you're really not doing very well here. You're not like, oh, you're reviling me. No, you're getting a bad job review. Okay, we talked about that a couple weeks ago. Your friend tells you, you know, you drive up your car and your bumper's hanging off. And he's like, dude, that's illegal, man. You should get that fixed, right? Then a month later, you see your same friend. He's like, bro, I told you, man, get your bumper fixed. He's like, he's reviling me. That's not what it is, right? That's not, that's, you may be personally insulted or you may be not like what they had to say to you, but that's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about here is suffering for Christ. And what does he say? When you are suffering for Christ, take the place of Christ in their lives. When somebody is mocking you for being a Christian, take the place of Christ. Love them in return. Luke 6, 27 and 28, in the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus says, but I say to you who hear, this is very important to hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, for they forgive them, for they know not what they do. What did Stephen say in Acts chapter 7 after the Lord Jesus Christ ascended and they stoned him to death? Lord, don't hold this against them. So Peter's telling us when you're persecuted, bless. When you're persecuted, forgive. Pray. Serve. Try to speak well of people. Not lie, but try to speak well. And he says this, knowing that you were called to this. This is the different life that God has called us to. 
Now, about this time, some of you might be thinking that Peter is teaching that we need to be a good person to inherit eternal life. Your theology is correct if you take chapter 1 out of his letter. But it's incorrect because in chapter 1, we realize that he was writing to people who already have eternal life because they had repented, turned to God, believed, put their trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus and the apostles did not teach that you get into heaven by being a good person. Never did. Never taught that you go to heaven by your good works. We go to heaven by grace. We grab it by faith. Good works are simply evidence of a conversion of the soul that God has done his work for those who are destined to inherit a blessing. J. Ramsey Michaels, author of the, the Word Biblical Commentary, I loved his wording in God, talking about God's blessing, said this, it's not earned by the performance of good works, it nevertheless belongs to those who demonstrate good works. The Apostle James said, the Lord's brother said, faith without works is dead. In other words, grace is not passive. We receive it from God, but we act upon it. Jesus and the apostles taught that this part of the Christian life, the attitude of love for others, a desire for the best for them, is what we are to want for people. We are to desire that people, even people who make fun of us, know Jesus Christ. And Peter's teaching us here that God will bless you as you bless others. The blessing might not look the way you and I think it is, We'll talk about that in a second. But God promises as you bless people, he will bless you. Uh, to say it another way, blessed people are a blessing. What did Jesus say? It is better to give than to receive. Now, this is very challenging for us as Americans because we think of blessings, we think of what? Something we get, not something that we give not desiring to bless other people. But notice in his grace, the Lord Jesus even provides a motivation for us to bless people. He says that you may inherit a blessing. And while a lot of people get lost in the debate, is that here or is that in heaven? I think it's much more important to see that the blessing is inherited. It's not earned. It's the result of being in a family. Now, if you have a family, a lot of you have a will. It's a good idea, right? And so let's just, you say you go into an attorney's office and, and you haven't, you know, you never met this person, the receptionist there, and as you're going in, he or she says, don't forget to keep me in your will. <laughs> you're going to be like, you're kidding, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So, but it's part of being in a family, so it's inherited. What is it, if we're really in touch with our inheritance that we have from God, what does that do for us? Well, it makes us confident in the present. It makes us secure in the future because it is, our future is backed by the faith and confidence of our Creator, of our Heavenly Father. Jesus said this, Matthew 25, 34, then the king, who's the king? He is will say to those on his right hand, in the Bible, those that are going to heaven that have turned to God and put their trust in Jesus, come you, blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So, we are called as Christians to bless and inherit, to inherit and to bless. They all just work together. 
So, pursuing blessings in the life of the church, pursuing blessings in the world we live in. Number three, pursuing blessings in the eyes of the Lord. Now, if you're not believing this so far, Christians tend to go to one side or the other. It's God does everything and we are passive or we must do everything and God's kind of just watching on the sidelines. Instead of holding the proper Bible tension, this is why you need to go through the Bible with a fine-tooth comb. And the tension of God, yes, God saves our souls, but he didn't save us to be inactive. He saved us to live for him, to represent him in the world. The gospel's the greatest news ever, that if you put your trust in Jesus, he will hold no sins against you, and he will reward you for the good he gave you to do. You know it's a spiritual battle because that's the best deal ever. That's the best deal ever. So if you had trouble with this, listen, look what he says here in verse 10. He says, for, now sometimes in the Bible when you see the word for, it means basically we would translate it, it already says in the Bible. A lot of times it says it is written, but here he just says for, and he's quoting Psalm 34, and the context of someone who's having trouble in their life, he says, he who would love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Now that's really interesting. I mean, how would you finish that sentence? Love life and see good days. Would it be, I'm going to refrain from... T- would you, I mean, do you go home? Hey, how was your day, honey? Well, I refrained from evil and speaking evil, right? That probably is not what goes on. You know, it's more like, how was the traffic? <laughs> Verse 11, let him turn away from evil and do good. Those who love life and see good days. Let him seek peace and pursue it. Now, is that peace with God or peace with people? Probably yes. Summary, verse 12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Now, I know we're New Testament Christians. We tend to think of those who are made righteous by Jesus, and I understand that, but the context of this is behavior. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. What's the greatest evil? Unbelief in Jesus Christ. So the Lord promises blessing, which actually in verse 12, I could put it down to this. He says the greatest blessing really, or blessing is here, his care and willingness to answer prayers for those who bless others. It's almost like God is saying, if you dedicate yourself to serving me and blessing others, I will bless you. Now, in the Old Testament, the blessings are much more material. That's why the guys on TV are always teaching out of Deuteronomy, because they are claiming for themselves the blessings that the Jews were promised in the promised land for themselves. You know, they're telling you if you had enough faith and you give enough money that you'll be rich. Anybody notice the only guy getting rich is them. New Testament, the blessings of God are more spiritual. Dare I use the word psychological? And what I mean by that is a sense of confidence and spiritual well-being and relational. Your relationships will be more blessed. Such people, he says here, love life and see good days. I'm going to try and do this without crying. And some of you who've been here long enough, know when I get like this, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking about myself, and you're just listening to me talk to God. Love life and see good days. That doesn't mean a trouble-free life. 
That doesn't mean everything's going to go your way. That means it's possible to be blessed of the Lord in the most unusual ways. Why would I say that? What happened to Jesus? They killed him. What happened to the apostles? Basically, except for John, they, they killed him. I was reading an author that I read a lot this week. His name is Simon Kistemaker. And I was so convicted by what I read. He simply just said this, looking at this passage. What's a good day? And I took the bait hook, line, and sinker. I just stopped and I, and I looked up and I thought, well, a good day is when everything goes smooth. When everything goes my way. When there's no difficulty, when there's no interpersonal conflict. And then he said, let's look at what heaven thinks is a good day. Talked about it earlier, Acts chapter 7. Stephen is stoned to death by the religious leaders and a young Pharisee named Saul of Tarsus who becomes the Apostle Paul, the greatest theologian outside of Jesus who has ever lived, the greatest Bible writer who ever lived, is standing there watching before his conversion. And here's a guy getting stoned to death And heaven looks down and sees that guy watching and says, that's a good day. Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul and Silas are trying to tell people about Jesus and how to get to heaven. In Philippi, they cast a demon out of a girl who's who's bringing money for her bosses and they don't like it, so they have them arrested They get beaten and they get whipped and they're bloodied and they're in jail singing hymns and there's an earthquake and the Philippian jailer, probably an old Roman guard, big tough guy goes, what must I do to be saved? And heaven goes, that's a good day. And he didn't need to write it because my heart automatically went to the day we call Good Friday when our perfect Savior hung on a cross because of my sin, and heaven looked down and said, that's a good day. So to death with what I think is a good day. Let it die. Because what I think is a good day, what I think is a blessing, is so American. It's so American. It's so shallow. It's so ungodly. For us, I think it's in verse 11. A good day for us in our lives or a good life is when we turn from evil to good. When we seek peace and pursue it. And the idea there is of a vigorous effort. The idea of this whole section is if we want to be this to one another, if we want to be this to our world, It's going to take a vigorous effort. And it's crystal clear in the Bible. Your life matters. Our behavior matters. Now, the undeserved grace of God, which I will preach as long as God gives me breath, does not change this. God gives us grace 
to serve him. God saves us to serve him. His undeserved grace does not change or alter or distort the call to follow him. The undeserved grace of God given to a follower of Jesus Christ is given to us for our failure to obey the word of God. That does not mean the word of God does not matter. Every time I hear people say with this cheap, hyper-grace thing that it doesn't matter, I think what an insult it is. There's nothing we can do to attain our salvation. Nothing. But we can sure live like we appreciate it. We can sure live like we have it. This is why the righteous one came from heaven to earth to make righteous in God's sight all who will live in covenant and relationship with him, all who will turn to God and put their trust in Jesus. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ already, as you continue to trust him every day, as you continue to seek to bless others, the Lord will bless you. And I'm learning this the older I get, that my whys are beginning to go away. And my whys are being turned into, I know you see me. I know you hear me. And I know you love me. And honestly, and I may have some of you decide to leave this church over this next comment, and that's okay. Honestly, that's the greatest blessing that the Word of God offers. Is when God comes to you and to me and says, here's, what I, here's the blessing I offer you. I offer myself to you. Question is simply this. Is that enough? Is that enough? Is Jesus enough? The bad news, if you're not a committed follower of Jesus Christ, it says here, for his followers, the Lord's eyes, which is the Lord's favor, that's what it means, the Lord's eyes favor on those who've put their trust in Jesus. The Lord's eyes, if you haven't, his favor is not upon you. It actually says something really bad. It says that his face is against you. The good news is that can be changed right now. Not based on your behavior. All we bring to our salvation is the sin. Like, everybody's like, what'd you bring? I brought the sin, right? No, no, it's a just change in who we're putting our trust in. No longer trusting in ourselves and putting our trust in Jesus. Friend, do you realize that Jesus Christ pursued you by dying on the cross and now you have the opportunity to respond to him by putting your trust in him Jesus pursued you so you could start pursuing him. And again, we've heard a lot today. And again, I want to tell you, don't feel guilty. Feel empowered that this is what God has for you. When that dumb voice in your head starts to condemn you, not your dumb voice, the other dumb voice, <laughs> and says, it's not good enough, you say, you're darn right it's not good enough, but it doesn't have to be good enough. It has to be the best grace-motivated effort that I can put on the pavement today because my God is with me every day. 
every step of the way. And why don't you go take a coffee break, man? Because <laughs> I'm not what I used to be, and I'm certainly not what I'm going to be. By the grace of God, what a church, man, Peter is portraying here, right? What a church. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we are overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass on this message to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Change by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord here in the book of 1 Peter, one verse at a time. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time, 